0: We're going to get going. Uh, it's my privilege to get to introduce to you our speaker tonight, uh, Dan Bohai. Uh, Dan is uh, and, and team, we're so excited for tonight. We're so excited for the next few nights. Uh, but I was thinking there's probably two things that Dan's most impacted my life through, and the Lord's really used him uh, to father me, even though from a distance, and inspire me of what it looks like to walk with Jesus. But Dan is a man of the Word, and his hunger for the Word of God and the time he invests, Soaking and studying, and uh, just the—it's like he loves the word in a way that I've seen very few people has inspired me deeply, Uh, and probably even more than that, uh, what's impacted me is your obedience to the Lord. I don't know that I've ever met someone so yielded to the voice of God, even when it costs, even when it hurts, even when it looks completely strange and like you would never want to do it. And it has just uh, charged my faith and really cast a vision again for what it looks like to empty self and become fully dependent upon the Father. So I'm so excited that Dan gets to come and minister to all of us and uh, mark us in the same way that he's marked me. So let's stand and honor him.
1: Love you, buddy. Amen. Good evening. Good evening. How y'all doing? Good. I was here last year. How many of you remember that? Yeah, about six of you. Awesome. <laughs> Left quite an impact, didn't it? Um, I'm going to preach tonight on purity of heart. Is that okay? Yeah. Totally being devoted to God being sanctified through and through, being set apart, being empowered to replicate Jesus. Isn't that what the world needs? If we're the body of Christ, we probably ought to look like him. We probably ought to act like him, think like him, believe like him. Come on. Probably ought to do what he does. I've been thinking about this thing, I don't know, it's not original. Every time you think you got original thought, it's a lie. (laughs) Somebody thought about it thousands of years ago. But I've been thinking, what if the body of Christ could get cleansed of all sin? Do you think we would do the same things the original body of Christ did? I think there's a lot we could shoot for. Don't you guys think so? Amen? So we're going to read some scriptures. Your pastor said I love the word, so I better act like it. So um, turn to 1 John. 1 John is one of my favorite books. 1 John chapter 3. Amen. First 1 John chapter 3. I'm just going to start reading, okay, with the chapter. The title of mine says that children of God love one another. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Children of God love one another. So see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because he, we will see him just as he is. I'm going to read that again. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. I think he's got some work to do. He can't appear until we're like him. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. What hope? That we're going to be like him when we see him. And that hope spurs us on to purify ourselves just as he is pure. Pretty good, huh? Let's keep reading. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. In him there is no sin. Aren't you glad that he appeared on earth to take away our sins? you guys glad he did that? Seriously, are you glad Jesus came to take away our sins? It's good news, isn't it? No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. That's an interesting verse. No one who abides in him sins. I looked up the word no one. I didn't really look it up. I didn't have to. It's just like Jesus says through his beloved Apostle John, no one who's in him sins. There's a a great disparity with what this says and what the church says. I'm not... I'm not bad-mouthing streams of religion. I don't believe in that. But I will tell you that 80% of all Christendom believes that sinning is normal Christianity. When you take Catholicism and Reformed theology and a lot of the other groups and you put them together, everybody believes you sin all the time. That's normal Christianity. But the Bible says no one who abides in him sins. Maybe it is a narrow way. Come on. Come on. Every time I look at it, it keeps saying the same thing. I keep thinking maybe it's a a typo. (laughs) No one who abides in him sins. What's the word abide? It's that word that's used, what, 11 times in John 15. To live in, to be in, to dwell in, to become one with, to rest in, to sup with, to sleep with, to love with, to become one. I imagine if that was our lifestyle, you would never sin. How could you ever turn away from that kind of romance and want something different? It always goes back to that relationship, doesn't it? If you're gazing into the face of Jesus, in the next moment you couldn't gaze into pornography. It would look sickening compared to the vision of what you're living in. Am I right, church? Little children, make sure that no one deceives you See, that's a a perfect place to put that verse. No one who abides in him ever sins. And he who sins has never known him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. I wonder why that's there. Because a lot of people don't believe that. Make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness, he's righteous. Just as Jesus, he's righteous. Just as, kathos, just as. The exact same righteousness that he is, we are, if we practice it, live it as a lifestyle. In fact, that gives you away. Not your confession of faith, your life expressed of faith. What we live gives us away. You don't have to even explain what you are if you live what you are. <sighs> This is an interesting verse. The one who practices sin is of the devil. (laughs) For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Okay, so verse 8 is different than verse 5. Look at this. Verse 5, the reason why the Son of Man appeared is to take away sins. Verse Verse 8, the reason why the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Two different reasons why he appeared. Maybe there needs to be more than forgiveness. Maybe we need more than a taking away of what we've done or thought. Maybe we need a change of who we are. Maybe the devil's work is that everybody's born with this nature that's more like the devil than like the God that we were originally created in his image of. And maybe we need to be forgiven first so we could actually realize we probably need to be changed from the inside out. Come on. Maybe a child would be the only one that could really believe his dad could change him into just like his dad is. Maybe somebody that's not in the family would have a hard time believing that. I think I believe that God really does want to sanctify people. He wants to purify people. He wants to set people free from themselves. (laughs) When it says that he came to set captives free, and the truth will set you free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Who's he trying to set us free from? It's ourselves. One of my favorite verses is John 14, 30, and that's just the verse that says, I don't want to talk much more about this now. The God of this age is coming, and he has nothing on me. I think when you're set free from carnality and sin and yourself and your pride and your fear, if you're just set free from you, Satan has nothing on you. Would that be freaky, like free? (laughs) If Satan had nothing on you that he couldn't bring anything up because you don't even recognize what he brings up is reality because God says all things are new. That is what I was, but this is who I am. reminded in Acts 19 when the demons that were, you know, stripping Sceva's sons, the professional exorcist naked and beating them. They said, Jesus we know and Paul we know about, but who are you? I think if Satan had nothing on you, they would know about you too. They would probably not want to mess with you. <laughs> they don't want to mess with Jesus. I wonder if there's going to come a time when the whole body of Christ is just like Jesus where Satan will be afraid to mess with the body of Christ. The devil's not our problem. It's just becoming like Jesus that's our problem. Sin and the devil should never even be something we think about. Our thoughts should be totally preoccupied with how much closer can I get to this Jesus, this great Jesus, this... Let's keep reading. It gets better. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. That's an interesting word, his seed. Spermata. Holy, powerful sperm of God. That's what it means. The seed. God's word is spermata. It's a life-giving seed. If you let it take root inside of you, it genetically alters you, who you are. You get a new DNA. It's like your royalty. Man, I'd like that. And eventually, if you love it, it'll change the way your brain is, too. You could actually start thinking like Jesus. So instead of whining, you just burst into worship. Worship. Instead of complaining, all of a sudden you just like, want to lead somebody to Jesus. Think about it. If your mind really gets changed, spiritually speaking, you get a new DNA. Yeah. That's what the Word of God has the possibility of doing. Right. Right. If we'll let it go as deep as it wants to go. It, it wants to get past the joint and marrow. It wants to get past the, 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 the surface. It wants to get past soul and spirit. Yeah. It wants to go all the way down to where your thoughts And your intentions originate. In other words, it wants to reboot the heart back into the image of God. So that we're spirit, soul, and body instead of body, soul, and spirit. Amen? So that our emotions follow the God that's housed in us. And our body has to line up with that. Instead of our emotions following how we feel. It's a big deal, this word of God. You can't keep sinning if you're born of it. It's the, You become a new creature. <laughs> that guy works for me. <laughs> 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 By this, the children of God... And the children of the devil are obvious. <laughs> That's quite an interesting verse. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. So in other words, if you're sinning, it's obvious. You're children of the devil. If you're not, it's obvious you're children of God. It's obvious. It's like Paul says in Galatians 5, the acts of the flesh are obvious. But also the fruit of the spirit is obvious. It's obvious. It's obvious. Can't hide it. You are who you are. You need to probably be like he wants you to be. Amen? Let's keep going. Um, hmm. They're obvious. But by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Turn down to verse 16. We We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's the greatest love, isn't it? Let's start with Jesus. Come on. If he laid down his life for us, then should we lay down our life for him? It's our greatest act of worship, right? Go to John John 4. I want to read something out of John 4. Then I want to go a different book. John 4, verse 7. I love this verse. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Let us love, because whoever loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's the mercy seat, the atonement seat for our sins. Beloved, He's talking to believers, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. That's an interesting verse. No one has seen God at any time. I sure hear about a lot of people that see him. No one has seen God at any time. And that word, any time, goes both directions from when this is written. <laughs> interesting. If we love God, one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. It's all about love. You're not purified to be a memorial that someday God will take to heaven. You're purified to be the body of Christ that, he, that God can actually love through you now. And that's the evidence of it. We love. And what is love? It's patient I wish that wasn't the first part. <laughs> That's how it starts. It's patient because none of the other stuff has a chance to work unless it's first patient. It's kind. It's gentle. Can't be offended. You can't be offended because if you're dead to yourself, what's there to offend? Well, you don't know what they did. Well, what can they do to you? You're dead. You're dead. You died to yourself, you're alive in Christ. He doesn't get offended, you can't either. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs, ever. You don't know what they did to you. It blesses its enemies. It prays for those who hurt it. It turns the other cheek and goes the second mile. gives to anyone who asks. That might even save the world. You see why God has so much work to do. The body of Christ sometimes is less loving than people you find in the bars. Which means we have allowed God to come to a certain point in our lives. But he really wants to get to the bottom of our life. So he becomes the whole foundation of our life. So all we have is him we're standing on and not our preconceived ideas or what we need for him to help our life be better. But he actually becomes our life. And then we just keep up with him and nothing else can ever entangle us because everything that was entangling us is now dead and we're alive in Christ and there's no room for anything else but him because he's a big God and he's a jealous lover and he won't allow anybody else to take his space if you'll actually let him take it. But he won't force. And he's got a lot more time on his hands. But wouldn't it be amazing tonight if everybody in this whole room became just like he is, we would have a really hard time this week fitting in this room. If that really happened, if everybody in this room, let's let's finish reading a couple of verses. Um, look look at verse seventeen. By this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is so also are we in this world. Now that's an interesting verse. As he is, so also are we in this world. So in other words, just like Jesus is right now, his goal in redemption is that we would be just like him right now. Not after we take our last breath of oxygen, but right now. Just as he is. Whoa! And Jesus didn't heal everybody except the ones that came to him. That'd be awesome. Everybody that comes to you, you got healing for them. Why? Because all you are is a reflection in an exhibition of the Father's heart. And he has nothing but compassion for his creation. And if we're like Jesus, all we do is operate out of compassion. There's 12 phrases in the New Testament that just kind of goes like moved with compassion. And every time it's used, it refers to Jesus or the Father. It never refers to a human. Moved with compassion. and What it it really means is moved with pain from the place of birth in an inner being of a person where you can't keep it inside anymore and you have to release it. And in releasing that compassion, the manifestation is what God can't wait to get into that person's life through you. The Hebrew word for that word compassion is a word that the womb of Yahweh can't wait to birth into the earth, but he has to find somebody that's just like him so he can reveal his heart through them. What if we were just like Jesus and everywhere we went, God birthed his dream through all of us to change the world? It's good preaching. I'm preaching way better than you're acting. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not yet perfected in love. Can I tell you right now, if there's an area of your life that you have fear in, it's an area of your life that's not yet God's. If there's one area of your life that you have fear in, it's not God's yet because I promise you he wouldn't be afraid if it was his. There's no area of your life you can be frustrated in or discouraged in as a lifestyle. You may get a phone call that makes you discouraged, but if you stay there, that's sin. Because God says, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. He's serious about his word. It never changes, by the way. It'll probably be the same in heaven. (laughs) We probably don't get a new Bible in heaven. I mean, it's probably the same one. (laughs) <laughs> Unless we can't believe it. But I choose to believe it. I would rather be indicted for being stupid for believing it than just say it's too hard to believe. I'm banking on the fact that when I stand before him, he's going to look at me and say, You really believed it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to stand before him and say, Why didn't you believe it? I mean, the reason why John wrote the book of John is so we would believe. John eleven forty 40 says, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you'd see my glory? You'd see the glory. Maybe when the body of Christ actually becomes just like Jesus in this lifetime, maybe that will be the generation that actually lives in the glory like Jesus did. And I think our consecration level, I think our submitting to God level, I think our repentant lifestyles, could speed up the process. I don't think we need to wait another generation. I think, I think we could bring heaven down right now if we became the body of Christ like he is in this lifetime. i got to be done in 23 minutes. Okay. Turn to Romans. Let me read something out of Romans. Romans. Uh, Romans 6, oh, 5. I'm going to read a few things out of 5. I'm going to make comments on 6, because I've got to get to 7. <laughs> okay, so Romans five seventeen, For if by the transgression of one death reign through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. How many know that righteousness is a gift, which means you don't earn it? It's a gift, it's Godlikeness. He gives us his righteousness because he wants us to be like Jesus in every way. Amen? Amen? So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So then as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What then shall we say? Are do we continue to sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? There's... I don't know how many times you can count it up 6 or 8 or 10 times in the next this chapter that says now that you've been set free from sin now that you've died to sin now that you've been set free from sin now that you've died to sin now that you've set free from sin now that you've reckoned yourself dead to sin And let God resurrect you in his likeness. I think we need to have a reckoning. Remember that movie Wyatt Earp? When, well, you're not old enough. I remember it. (laughs) Come on. It's not that old. Wyatt wasn't as fast as this gunman. And Doc Holliday was faster, but he was sick with leukemia. And And he shows up and he says, I'm your huckleberry. and Then he goes, we're going to have a reckoning. I love that word, reckoning. What God wants us all to do is have a reckoning. We need to enter into a battle that God wants us to actually lose. He wants us to go into a battle where we die. So he could actually resurrect us and we could live his life instead of our life. He wants a reckoning. So you get through this chapter, and verse 22 ends up saying, so now having been freed from sin, and that's the principle of sin. That's not the acts of sin. Listen to this. It's very important. Now having been freed from sin, that's the nature of sin you were born with. That's not what you do. That's why you do what you do. You can be freed from that. Now having been freed from the carnal nature, the Adam nature. Look what it says. And enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification. And the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, look at chapter 7, verse 14. This is where a lot of Christians live. My Bible says this is the conflict of two natures. You ready for this? When you're just a lost sinner, you don't have a conflict. You just do what you want. But when you get born again, but you haven't yet been sanctified, and you still have a carnal nature battling the nature of God that you're born of, there's a conflict in you of two natures. What a miserable way to live. That's why y'all just die to yourself and get over that area real quick. Am I right? So so look at ver- verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. That means supernatural. The law really was a supernatural law because it pointed us to our need for a supernatural savior. Yeah. But I am a flesh sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I don't understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. That sounds like somebody that wants to do right. And unless you were born again, you wouldn't want to do right. You just want to do what you used to do. But since you're born again, you want to do right, but there's a nature inside of you that's trying to pull you back to the way you used to be. I'm glad God has a solution for that. I'm glad it's 1 John 3 8. The reason why he came was also to destroy the works of the devil. What's the only thing the devil's ever ever been able to create since he came to planet Earth? The carnal nature. He hasn't created one mountain, one animal. Listen, he hasn't done one murder. People do that that have his nature. The devil has not done one pornography addiction. He's not done one incest or rape act. He's not done any pollution. He's not done any pesticides. Come on. He's not. He's Listen, all he's ever been able to create since he's been cast out of heaven is he bought... He deceived humans into buying into his lie, and now he's created a carnal nature. But Jesus didn't come just to take away our sins so we could have a battle with two natures. He came so that we actually could be crucified with Christ, and we would no longer live. But the Christ within us would now become the life we live. Well, I'm preaching good. I feel it, man feel it in my bones he's about to move <laughs> Shaba okay you ready <clears throat> okay so for what I'm doing I don't understand for I'm not practicing what I would like to do but I'm doing the very thing I hate But if I do the very thing I don't want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. And that's the word sin nature. That's the singular. That's the definite article. It's not what you're doing, thinking, or saying. It's what you are. This is a person that's battling over who they are, even though they love God and they want to do right, but they end up doing wrong. God has a solution for that. It's called sanctification. Being setting free from us. Wow. Well, isn't that a lifestyle? Yep. Probably ought to start it. You don't osmosis into it. You got to die into it. And you, you just die once. Once. Because if you're a new creature, you probably don't need to die again. I'm preaching good. Finney and Spurgeon both said, I'm taking classes now on how to be a minister. I'm getting ordained. I'm going to learn how to preach. (laughs) I am. But they said they didn't ever think they were preaching good until everybody was real quiet and they couldn't look up. They had a little bit better results than the modern day churches. Because the word actually had a chance to go deep enough to change them from the inside out. Amen. Let's finish reading this. For I know that nothing good dwells in me and that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I don't do. But I practice the very evil that I don't want. But if I'm doing the very thing I don't want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Now, that can lead to antinomianism and all that stuff where you don't have any responsibility. I don't believe in that. You follow any verse too far, it takes you to apostasy. What he's saying is, he's in the battle and he wants to be free from it. Amen? I find then... The principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good, is in me also. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Hmm. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of death. I don't think anybody can be sanctified until you come to the conclusion that you're wretched. But God doesn't want you to be wretched. He wants you to be just like him in this lifetime. But he wants us to get to the conclusion that we have nothing to do with this. We can't do it. He's the only one that can. And it's the body of death. This body of death The picture was, I studied this verse once, it's kind of gruesome. One of the ways they used to kill people in the Roman Empire was they would strap a dead carcass on top of them. It's weird. It's like a slow death. A dead carcass. They would strap it on them face to face, chest to chest, all the way down and that body would decay into that person. So the dead decaying body would go into the living body and finally that dead body would take over your body and you'd die too and Paul's saying that the nature of sin is like having that carnal nature that's strapped to you and it's going to kill you unless you let it be killed. Cool. <laughs> Did you know that when you have a carnal nature, you're strapped to a dead body? And it probably needs to be crucified. Amen? So... Thanks be to God (laughs) through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So on the one hand, I find I myself. So on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. But on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. Therefore, there is now condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the laws of the spirit of life. In Christ, Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And so when I got born again at age 14, I didn't really battle with this carnal nature really much until age 17. He said, Well, what do you mean? Because I was just all about Jesus. I was pursuing holiness with everything I had, and that's walking in the light. If you walk in the light, he's in the light, you have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus keeps cleansing you from all sin. But I kept feeling this tug to go deeper. God would make it known to me that there was more. And I would realize I had these passions coming out of my heart. It was weird, like I love God and I love church and I love I want to go to heaven. but I, I had lust. Pornography. come on. Pride, greed, fear, off the charts. And it was like, I kept trying to get a pure heart. I kept trying to be sanctified, but I always wanted to feel. That's the danger. Feeling's a shortcut. You're not changed by what you feel. You're changed by the power of God. You're changed by your faith in that power. In fact, Paul wants our faith to rest or be anchored in the power of God, not a theory about God. So I kept pursuing and pursuing, and after about three years, I stopped. And once I stopped pursuing, I lived a life for 17 years, just like these last 10 verses, where I never missed church and I never missed pornography either. I never missed church, but I didn't ever see a miracle. I never missed church, but I didn't love people unless I thought they could do something for me. I didn't want to go to hell, but heaven wasn't shooting out of me. And I had this struggle. And I knew, and I kept asking God to forgive me, but I kept reading. And when I would read the Bible, I got to get to a place where I don't always need forgiveness. Why don't I get to a place where I could actually be the message that people could get help from? And so in 1995, I got to a place where all I could pray was this prayer. God, if you can't change me and take out this lust and this fear and this pride, if you can't change my nature, I'd just rather die. Why would I live this way? It's not worth living. I'm tired of religion. I'm tired of church. I'm tired of the battle between two natures. I'm 34 years at the time. That's how old I was. And I remember I was coming home from work one day and I had this breakdown because we were going through a lot of hell on earth because that's what happens when you're in a battle with yourself. It's never at peace. My wife looked at me and says, why don't you give up and trust God? And then I remember that night I had a dream and the dream I was hanging on a cliff and I was going to fall and die and Jesus was right below me and he says why don't you let go and I'll catch you. But I was afraid to trust Jesus with my mess. I thought I had to fix myself first. And that's a lie of the enemy, because none of you can fix yourself. Then the next day when I was heading to work, I got hit by a semi-truck. And it came through the passenger side of my truck, and it broke my back, and it broke my pelvis, and it tore my liver, and it tore my urethra out of my bladder, and it just crushed my whole body. And I was in a hospital bed, and I spent a day in and out of consciousness where an angel kept me alive. And I want to go into that. But that night, I had an encounter with God. I was in the ICU bed, and He spoke to me. I saw my heart, I saw my flat line on my heart, I saw it go flat, and Jesus spoke to me. And He said two things to me He said, Son, I've forgiven your sins. I was born again. And I was thankful I didn't have to be forgiven. Because I ask for forgiveness all the time as a lifestyle. Wouldn't it be neat to get past that? Where you're not always needing to be forgiven. You just need more power because there's more stuff you want to do like Jesus. (laughs) Come on. And so after he said, son, I've forgiven your sins, then he asked me this question. When will you trust me with your life? That was it. But I knew what he wanted. The night before, my wife said, why don't you just give up and trust God? In the dream, Jesus says, let go. I want to catch you. And now he's talking to me in the ICU bed. 24-hour period, three encounters, wife, dream, Jesus. I'm stubborn. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one. And so what I did was I just said yes, and that was my prayer, you guys. Really, that was my whole prayer. It was enough because I'd spent 34 years trying to get to one word. Yes. I understand that yes should be yes and no, no thing real good now. Anything beyond that, Jesus says, is of the devil. If you have to talk a lot about what you're trying to get God to do, that you haven't got to the end of yourself yet, because one word will do if you get to the end of you. He asked, Jacob, what's your name? All he had to say was Israel. Boom, good enough. You'll never be the same. So when I said yes, he came into me. He took out all the lust, he took out the pride, the fear. The shame, the greed, the religious spirit. He took everything out of me that caused me to have shame. He took it out of me. You can call that eradication, you can call that cleansing, purging, circumcision, call it whatever you want. He took it out of me. Whoa. Well, then He filled me with Him. That's been twenty two years and three months. I haven't recovered. (laughs) I don't struggle with pornography lust at all. Kinda makes me sick. I don't struggle with greed. I don't struggle with pride. I don't struggle with fear. Satan's got nothing on me because I'm dead. I've seen hundreds of thousands of people respond to this Jesus that lives inside of me. And I don't even know how to construct a three-point sermon. <laughs> I'm going to learn. <laughs> so here's my question: 6:27. I got three minutes. Are you living with the reality of Romans chapter six, where you're dead to sin? And first John 3 and 4, you love because you've been made like Jesus and you live righteous because you're born of Him and the devil's work's been destroyed. Or are you living in Romans 7? Your light's the fruit of what you're living. Do you struggle from the inside out, or do you defeat temptation from the outside in? There's a big difference in that. You'll never stop being tempted. But greater is he who's in you. This artesian well of life pushes out any impurity that tries to get in. If if he has all of you, that's the whole question. Does he have all of you? You know, you can have it all, God. It's got to be more than a song. Every part of my world. I have a feeling that If the spirit of God was talking to you tonight saying, if you would let me, I could sanctify your heart and purify your heart and set you free from you and you would never be the same. And I think if he was asking you that, that means there's grace in the room for that to actually happen. He's got to be asking you. You can't make a decision. I don't believe like A.M. Hill said, you can just choose. It's the power of choice. I don't believe it. I think. You can only come when he's drawing. I think you have to respond to grace. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Come on. He's cheap. If you're, you're a child of God if you hear him. So if he's calling you to holiness of heart, if he's saying, I want to make you pure so you're free from you so I can do my life through you and you won't get in my way, we'll just cooperate with each other. and We'll be an undefeatable team. And I think tonight you could be sanctified through and through. Anybody who wants to be. You could die to yourself and sin and let God resurrect you and you'd be brand new. Whoa. So I don't want to do music. I I don't want you to bow your heads. Please keep your eyes open. I want to do this in plain sight. I don't want you to be ashamed if you're not pure in your heart. I want you to shame the devil. There's no shame in wanting to be holy. The shame is leaving the way you came when you know you're not. Come on, you guys. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That means you probably aren't when you leave if you're disobedient when you leave. So here's the simple 630 call. I'm done. If the Holy Spirit is saying to you tonight, this is what you need. You need to get out of Romans 7 and get into Romans 6 reality. Now that you're dead to sin, you're alive in Jesus. You need to get into 1 John 3 and 4. And let God destroy the devil's work. Your nature of sin. So you can just love like Jesus. If you want that to happen tonight, would you please come up here and stand with me. And I want to pray that prayer with whoever wants that to happen. Just come quick. Would you come quick? Press into the front. Press into the front. We just want to be made like Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Amen. Amen. Thank you that you call your children to be just like you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We want something that lasts. Yes. Jesus. This church could change this valley if we all became just like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there's no guilt There's no condemnation. There's no shame. But if the spirit's convicted, that's why we're responding. That's one of his specialties. He convicts us. Thank you for making it real to us tonight, Jesus. So now I'm going to pray a prayer, God, but I can't pray the prayer for anybody. I'm just going to pray a prayer. (laughs) I pray that you would sanctify every person standing here. I pray you destroy sin. Because if you could cut sin off by the roots and let it die. Then lust and pride and fear and arrogancy and self-preservation and all the stuff that keeps us from loving like you love. It could all be put to death tonight. And all of a sudden we could look at our sisters like sisters and our brothers like brothers. And we could look at people not as a project, but as a creation that God can't wait to touch through his compassion that flows through us because we have the same heart now. And so, God, sanctify your church tonight. Mm -hmm. I know, God, we're pressed for time because we got two services. But, Lord, please, don't let these people let go of you until they know. Mm -hmm. Maybe they got to go home, put kids to bed or whatever, but don't let them let go of you. Don't let these precious sons and daughters let go of you, Papa, until they know you've washed through and through and through. And their whole spirit, soul, and body has been changed forever. We want you to do a deep work here, God. River House could unleash a river that would change this valley. Please, God. Make this house your house, God. Please, God. So I pray you deal with us, God. Let us see how wretched we are. (laughs) But let us see how good you want to be. And we just yield all of our space all of our will, all of our life, and it's your dominion now. You take up residence. You just take it all. We'll be your temple. We'll be your house. We'll be your bed. We'll be your landing pad. We'll just be everything you want us to be. And then we'll be your mouthpiece and your hands and your eyes, and we'll be your compassion, and we'll let you live your life through us, and our whole life will be an adventure. I pray this in Jesus' name. I'd just like you to repeat after me, if you would. Just say, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Sanctify me. Sanctify me. Destroy sin. Destroy Destroy sin. In me. In me. Purify my heart.
0: Purify my heart.
1: Cleanse my mind. Cleanse my mind.
0: And set me free. And set me free. from free. from From sin. From sin. And from me. And from me.
1: Now fill me with your spirit.
0: Now fill me with your spirit.
1: And flow through me.
0: And flow through me.
1: And let me become.
0: And let me become.
1: Just like you.
0: Just like you.
1: Let me, let me love.
0: Let me love. Like you love. Like you love.
1: I pray this.
0: I pray this.
1: In Jesus name.
0: In Jesus name.
1: Amen. 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 It's a good night. Amen. Amen.